You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. Welcome back. Today we are joined by Mr. Daniel Perry. And so Daniel is with a really cool company. I'm looking forward to, to chatting with Daniel. But Daniel is the Global Alliances Director for Ecovatis. So Daniel, if you wouldn't mind, love uh, to just have you tell us about Ecovatis. Yeah. Fascinating sure. company. And uh, what is it that you guys do? What's, what's kind of where are you at now? And then where are you going? Where do you see this uh, going into the future? As you've no doubt seen, you know, over the past few years, sustainability um, has been talked about. It's uh, something that most companies recognize um, as an area they need to have a position or be making an impact or, in, or um, addressing in, in some way. And it's, it's one thing for a CEO to wake up one morning and say, you know what, my kids are right. You know, we need to save the planet and my company can play a role in that. It's another thing to, um, you know, really implement that within an organization, right? Especially when it comes to procurement, because procurement people, um, they've got their targets and KPIs, and it's all fact-based and numbers-based and scorecard-based and, and, and so on, right? And then you bring in something which to them would seem quite cloudy, like, but is the supplier sustainable? You know, <laughs> gosh, I've got no idea, you know, and, and am I being measured on it? And if not, like, can we just park that and, and leave that to someone else to worry about? So um, we, uh, as, a, as a company, recognized early on that there needed to be a simple way that a procurement person could understand um, the performance of a supplier on this non-financial area of sustainability holistically so so you know not just do they make a product that can be recycled but you know as a company how are they managing their energy and waste and water do they make a product if they do uh, you know is it recyclable and, and so forth but how are they treating their employees are they outsourcing the manufacture of their products how are those employees being treated um, do they have any kind of ethical issues uh, and you step outside of manufacturing and all of a sudden you've got all these other types of industries where determining, you know, which law firm is sustainable or is a, is a marketing company sustainable or a, 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 um, a logistics company and so forth. And it becomes almost impossible for any procurement organization to determine this. Even if they hire a sustainability person, it would be nigh on impossible to come up with the perfect set of questions that they could ask. So, our founders looked at, um, and, and I'll just say, you know, we started in, in France with two you know, amazing co-founders, one with a procurement background, the other with a background in entrepreneurship and technology. Uh, they, they recognized some almost 20 years ago or so that, that there was going to be the sea change where not just the world's biggest companies needed to prove that they're sustainable, but every company. And if you really want to have an impact, it's, it's not at the, the headquarters of Berkshire Hathaway. It's, you know, what's happening um, on the ground in a, a, a factory in China, you know, or, or what's happening with the 
uh, ethically vague dealings that are going on in Latin America or whatever it might be. So you really need something that's scalable um, that can that can assess this. And and they looked to the investment space and saw that there was already some competition amongst different players to come up with a standardized way of being able to say what's sustainable. So you can look at like a shoe company versus a motor vehicle company. And even though they do completely different things, you can say, well, one's more sustainable than the other. So they hired a, a, a guy who came from that, from that area, genius. Um, and he was employee number one, basically set up this completely scalable program where we can assess companies remotely but the onus is on the company to prove to us that they're sustainable and whenever we hear the word sustainability most of the time our brains go right to financially sustainable or i'm going to get into this partnership with you are you going to be in business six months a year 18 months from now but i think it's it's great that we're we're looking at the bigger broader view of sustainability so just like from our perspective from partneronomics if i have the opportunity to partner with, uh, I only need one partner in a, in a particular lane. Yeah. Let's say I have three different partners uh, or at least three different what we call candidates. Yeah. I would love to be able to put a score or some sort of a rating uh, from a sustainability perspective beyond financials. Um, yeah. So it gives me an ability to look at, at that candidate through that lens as well. Yeah. And this is exactly what you guys are enabling. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah. Again, you know, long, long, long story short, they they solved this in, in, in impossible problem and did it in a way that doesn't break the bank. So you know, a a large company can invite thousands of suppliers. The costs are shared, um, and with that uh, business model, it means that each company that's rated has some skin in the game, and those ratings can be shared externally so they can use that as a badge of honor right but because it's a rating it's not a certificate because it's a rating it means that there's always opportunity for continuous improvement and that's really the vision of ecovatus is to help drive continuous improvement and sustainability as much as um companies want to be able to say well this company is sustainable and this one's not i've got three options so i'm going to choose the more sustainable one in supply chains, often you don't have the luxury of that choice, right? You've established you know, a long-term relationship with a supplier. Maybe they're the only one who provides that product or the only one who provides that service or to rip them out and replace them with someone would cost more than it's worth you know, than you would get in savings. Um, but gosh darn it, you, you want to have a sustainable supply chain. You want to have relationships with companies you can trust. Just recently, uh, we launched a program with Microsoft um, in France where their uh, president uh, kicked off this new program where to qualify as a strategic partner for Microsoft, of which they only have around 150 in France, um, they need to be rated by Ecovatis. And that rating will be you know, part of their annual scorecard um, to, you know, assess how the, how the partnership is going. They extended that invitation, though, to all of their partners because, you know, everyone's vying for one of those top spots, right, and wants to be a strategic partner of Microsoft. So they've, they've announced at their um, last partnership uh, 
conference that if any other company wants you know to one day be a strategic partner of microsoft you know ecovatis is going to be a critical part of that um application i would say if microsoft's getting on board that uh that definitely doesn't hurt (laughs) (laughs) i guess that uh, that kind of starts to paint the picture of what the future is going to be uh for this this look of eco sustainability and uh, what we need to do to, to evaluate or an opportunity to evaluate um, our partners for us. So yeah, that is, that's interesting. Yeah, and, 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 you, and you mentioned that, you know, sometimes people think of sustainability as only being something applicable to, you know, traditional supply chains with manufacturers and stuff like that. And, and what we see is, 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 is um, you know, far from that. You know, indirect spend is one of our biggest areas for doing sustainability ratings because how do you measure the sustainability of someone who, who handles your legal affairs in China? You know, um, it's, you know you need to trust them, right? <laughs> but they're not making a product. So um, uh, it, you need a third party like Ecovatis to come in and say, okay, these are the areas that are material, uh, that are impactful. This is how we're going to weight it. And this is the final score. And now you know. Yeah, well, so much of what you're saying is really resonating. One of those is, our, I say our globe is shrinking, right? The world is shrinking. There's more opportunities now to work with international um, companies, people from literally from the other side of the world. It's not like you can jump in the car and, and drive <laughs> over right. there to take a look at their operations. So it's neat to have an opportunity yeah. uh, to get kind of this objective scoring uh, with that to, to, to see that and to you know, it's been said a million times, you, you know, you cannot manage what you, what you do not measure. And yeah. your organization is putting a number right in the process of putting a number, putting this on the table, this idea of sustainability and giving people an opportunity, giving business leaders an opportunity to put that into the mix of what's managed. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I, I, I agree. And the, I guess the reason I get so excited about talking about this company is I, even five years in, I still feel like a newbie, you know, and, and learning, you know, about all the potential opportunities for how this could be used or utilized or, um, you know, ultimately how it can help uh, improve this, the, the state of the world. Well, Daniel, let me ask you this. So kind of the, the, the million dollar question in my mind is, Okay, so what does a scoring mechanism look like and how can we make sure that it's subjective and Uh fair and all of these sorts of things? Describe to us a little bit of the methodology or the process. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so um, uh, typically companies aren't coming to us directly for a rating. Typically, they're getting invited by a big customer to go through this process. Um, once Once they've been rated a few times, then, then likely they'll, they'll come back for more and want to get a better score. So what happens is the customer identifies, hey, we spend a certain amount of money with this company or they're strategic for, for whatever reason. They invite them to go through the Ecovatis process. They'll come into our platform, they'll register. Now that might mean they identify themselves in our existing database of companies, like using like Dun & Bradstreet as an example, they, they find themselves there. Um, or they just fill in their basic information, address, name of company, size, et cetera. Now, with that information, 
our system is able to automatically generate um, what's called a materiality assessment. So we, with our methodology, we know the core themes of sustainability, environment, labor and human rights, ethics, and sustainable procurement. And there's 21 criteria that fall under those. And this materiality assessment basically identifies, okay, these are the most important areas of sustainability. These are the least important um, because they're in this industry. Then it's this kind of language on these types of questions that we'll ask and so on and so forth. So they end up with this customized questionnaire uh, and the questionnaire is guidance for what documentation they need to provide. So what we're talking about here is essentially like a desk audit where they're proving to us that they're sustainable on these certain areas. Now there's very few mandatory questions. Um, there's lots of information bubbles where they can find out more if they don't quite understand a question or what have you. And it's available in over 10 languages. So no matter where in the world they are, they can typically go through this process without a problem. Um, but the, the goal here is not to get 100 out of 100, you know, answer all questions, get them all right. That's, that's not what we're doing. What we're trying to do is assess the, maturia, uh, the, the maturity uh, of this company. We want to get a snapshot of in time. How are they doing right now? So they'll go through this questionnaire, they'll, they'll upload all of their documentation, um, then they'll submit that, and that's where the human side comes in. So we have 150 uh, expert analysts who will review every single document um, and, and rate it on a, on a four-point scale. Then that uh, will um, sort of all dovetail and, and, and flow through into the eventual calculation of the scorecard. Now that all sounds, you know, time consuming and, and complicated and so forth. And sure areas of it are, but the output is uniform and really easy to understand. And that's, that's the ultimate goal is to be able to assess any company of any size anywhere in the world fairly so that you can benchmark your suppliers against each other even if they're in different industries or even if they're in different countries. And, this, and the scoring is um, out of 100. Um, it has an overall score and it also has theme scores. So you get, you know, your overall score is say 60 out of 100 and you got a 50 for environment and a 45 for labor and human rights, et cetera, et cetera. Then underneath that in the scorecard, we'll also show the benchmarks so you can easily see um, how they compare against your portfolio or how they compare against other companies in the same industry and so on. And, and then lastly, um, the detail. So we get into what are the specific strengths and what are the specific improvement areas for this company? And we'll um, prioritize those improvement areas because remember the, the supplier is seeing the same information. And it's all on this, you know, cloud platform network. So if they aren't happy with their 60 out of 100, they can go straight to the improvement areas, see which ones we've prioritized as to what's most important, and they can get to work on it. Or conversely, if the customer is not happy with the 60, they can go to the improvement areas and they can tag those as corrective actions and give the supplier a deadline as to when they want those to be remedied. The very last thing uh, is that we don't just take the the supplier's word for it, and by all means, we you know we are 
validating and verifying that these are real documents and so forth. Um, but we also look at external stakeholders. So we're connected into 100,000 plus data points with NGOs, government websites, and so on, news media, et cetera. Um, so even if they're doing everything right on paper, you know, if they also had a massive oil spill or they damaged a river or they had, you know, God forbid, slave labor found um, at one of their factories, that gets brought into the equation as well um, as like a sanity check. So Daniel, how do you see the, the future playing out and how solutions like yours will be used, let's say decades into the future? How, how do you think that, uh, how do you think that will play out and will it become commonplace for businesses? Yeah, we, we've seen this really interesting evolution of this. Um, so when we started, it was purely B2B deep in the supply chain. So we're talking about chemical companies dealing with their suppliers, um, be they you know raw ingredient or logistics or what have you. Um, we even have you know cases of of some uh, industries sort of banding together in a pre-competitive um, environment so that they can tell their industry, hey, this Ecovatis rating is the one rating that you need you get this rating and you're going to take care of like 20 of your major customers sort of thing. But over time, you know, we, we started seeing it move closer and closer to the, to the customer. So it went from being this sort of secretive rating that companies would only share with their closest customers to them sort of saying, well, maybe we can put it into RFPs and maybe win some more business and then, you know, consumer packaged goods, catch wind and they're like okay well maybe we can use this with our suppliers and and then the suppliers of them start saying well if we've been awarded this gold medal you know with Ecovatis we should really be talking about this so they start you know publicly talking about it then the next thing you know we're starting to get inquiries from retail you know and, and online retail stores and you know some of the biggest ones that, that exist um, and so I think you know the the future is really uh, seeing Ecovatis ratings being used um, you know, maybe as a label that you see on something that you that, that you buy online. Um, we've got some really exciting things. Some of them I can talk about, some of them I can't. Um, but we've already seen Ecovata start to be used in the finance industry as being um, uh, a measurement uh, with sustainable finance, sustainable lending, that sort of thing. Because we can rate any company of any size, that means that we can rate private companies. So it means if they're looking to do an IPO and they want sustainability to be part of that uh, equation, we're one of the only companies who can do that for them. Yeah. Um, if you're a bank and you wanna lend money to a privately held company and you want sustainability to be a part of that equation, we're one of the only companies that can do that for you. So um, yeah, there's, there's tons of poss possibilities, um, all equally exciting. Well, if I could see how the, the rating could become huge for different companies. I mean, literally be the difference. It could potentially be the difference between them winning bids or, or not, or even almost envision, uh, you know, kind of like being on, on Amazon, right? Well, so we have these different products. Uh, first thing I look at is the rating. How, how good is the product? How you know, do people enjoy using it? Is, is it a good value? Well, I can almost see like a second tier of rating if it's uh, if if it's similar between one or the other, why wouldn't I choose one that has a you know a Nicovatis rating that's higher? Yeah, um, 
but it's gonna, I can see that being, but it's going to be so critical, I think, to make sure that it stays independent, objective. It's not bought, right? It just, it stays pure. Yeah. What, uh, what, what would you say to somebody that's maybe a little bit skeptical? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a, that's a challenge. And, um, you know, the, the cultural fit, you know, bringing it back to partnerships is really important. Um, and I think what I've seen, you know, anecdotally through conversations with different companies about how they approach sustainability and, you know, quote unquote, greenwashing and, and things like that. Um, what, what the CEO believes in and um, where their moral compass is, it has a genuine impact on a company. And, and whenever I see announcements from businesses who say, yes, we were doing terrible things for the last, you know, 150 years, but now we're on a new, you know, and the CEO hasn't changed and none of the senior leadership's changed and the board hasn't changed. It's like, no, you're just figuring out a new way to hide it, you know, because <laughs> that's not how it works, you know. So um, uh, at Ecovatis, we have different departments, um, uh, responsible for uh, different parts of the business. One of them, one of the major ones is the um, evaluation services. So our, our team of analysts who report up into uh, the VP. Uh, and, and they are kept pretty much at arm's length from the rest of the business. So um, sales cannot contact and it, well, they can't even find out who the analyst is that's working on a particular rating, for example, to try and sway them or say, hey, we're in the middle of trying to sell them a deal. It would be great if you could give them a gold this time. You know? um, likewise, uh, you know, large enterprise customers um, have very little impact on how we assess them. Um, by all means, we have ways that companies can engage with analysts in the form of like a debrief to be able to say hey you scored us in this way we don't quite understand why can we get more information sure and they can um, typically it needs to be addressed in some questions up front like these are the specific areas that we want to talk about great and then they'll set up an hour call or whatever it might be um, but we did find uh, early on that there was um, a need for uh, companies to get a bit more handholding, right? So it's not that they're having they're struggling with the ecovatus process per se. It's more that they're struggling with sustainability in general, and they're coming to us and we're saying, well, we can't charge you for consulting services around this stuff because then we're crossing an ethical boundary, right? Um, so what we did was we set up a um, a, a partnership program uh, with training partners. Uh, and we would make sure that they understand the Ecovatis methodology and how we do our process top to bottom. And we would certify that they understand Ecovatis. Now, what they want to do on the consulting side is completely up to them. Um, but that was one of the ways that we ensured that there's always this boundary. You know what I mean? There's always this line between um, us as a rating company and us as like a, a services um, selling company. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Uh, Daniel, I'd like for you, we're going to shift gears a little bit. And, sure. you know, obviously, for just from what I've heard, and what I have learned about your organization, uh, to say you guys are 
purpose driven is an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to talk a little bit, have you talk about uh, one of our frameworks that, that we use, what we call SPLM, the strategic partner leadership model. And one of those elements is vision. Mm-hmm. And so vision is about, it's about getting your vision, your mission and your core values identified and getting those right. Yeah. I'd like to just kind of have you talk about vision and mission and, and just in general, not necessarily in the in terms of Ecovatus, but more broadly, why is that important for business leaders to understand and to set and to live? Right. Um, well, you know, if you'd asked me pre-COVID, um, I, I would have said, you know, we're in a war for talent and all of the new employees coming into this environment um, are very purpose-driven um, and authentic and want to see that authenticity and purpose from the companies that they work for and they get to shop around and choose where they want to work. Well, post COVID, you know, we're not in that same sort of situation, but it is still the same employees. Um, and uh, if you're thinking long term, you know, about um, where you want your, your company um, to end up, you have to make a decision about whether you're going to um, have a positive impact on the world or not. And once you've made that decision, then you need to implement um, tangible processes um, to, to drive that. Uh, everybody's online, even more so now than, than ever. Um, people have the, 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 the time to do their research, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm speaking specifically about a mission being around sustainability, of course. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I can, give you, I can give you an example. You know, we, we work with lots of different companies of different sizes. And I've, I've met um, people who work in sustainability for companies that don't believe in it. And you get either someone who's just lost, you know, who's like, well, I have this, you know, C-level title, but I have no budget. I have no staff. It's just me. <laughs> you know? And they just, they spend their time sort of lamenting their situation with you. Um, or you or you get uh, people who are on a mission to greenwash, you know, and they're just, they're saying, hey, we don't like the score you gave us because you said this and we have this big glossy document that we'd rather share with our customers, which talks about, you know, all the money we donate to charity, which is not the same thing as being a sustainable company. Um, you know, or, 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 you, or you do um, get sort of a, a change agent um, who's, who's just there because the company said, we need to address sustainability. So we're going to headhunt the best sustainability person and then just inject them into our business. And that's going to buy us credibility with our shareholders and then kind of carry on doing business as usual. Um, and I think those, those models where it's not authentic are, are getting um, sniffed out. Like people are, are realizing this, not just because customers are identifying it, but the employees. And I think you've seen many examples uh, where there's a revolt from the employees to say, hey, you said you were going to do something on carbon and yet here we are two years on and nothing's happened. You know, even some of the world's largest companies having many employees, you know, going on strike and gone are the days where you can just kind of quietly let someone go for 
being outspoken, you know, it hits the equivalent of the front page news nowadays, right? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, obviously sustainability is, is one of those uh, elements of, we talk a lot about needing to get alignment, you know, internal mm-hmm. to your organization on vision, mission, and, and core values, like you're just your core beliefs. And uh, you, you've talked about those specifically around sustainability. Um, but obviously, there's a lot of other topics that play into that as well. But if business leaders don't spend the time to pure to clearly identify what those components are, they they hire, they train, they live by those elements, then they they're definitely missing an opportunity to really build a strong and powerful organization. Would you yeah. agree? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there was a really interesting study by the University of Chicago. They, 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 uh, University of Chicago, personally, I think, does not have a, a good track record for being on the side of sustainability. Most of the business schools, you know, things are to- trying to talk about how it's greenwashing or that um, it's not as impactful as everybody says. But they set out on this journey to try and uh, prove a point about hiring. And, and what they found was um, employees who took a job working for a, a charity where it was, you know, 100% mission driven would work longer hours for less pay and they would often have more female employees apply for the roles um, than just a standard telesales job. And so one of the um, values you know you get from from really having a authentic uh, mission with sustainability at its core is that you you attract the best talent you retain the best talent and when you've got the best talent you're going to have the best innovation when you've got the best innovation you're going to have the best product or service you know there's so many flow on effects from just having the right people at the table and that can all be kicked off with having the right mission. Yeah, that's yeah, I love that. One of the, I had the opportunity to interview my pastor several years ago, and it's it's really profound what he said, and it stuck with me. And it's exactly what you're saying there, Daniel. And, and his point was, if you really want to see leaders, you know, people that can really motivate and inspire people, if you really want to see leaders and leadership, go to not for profits, whether it's a church or any other type. Because those not-for-profits, typically, they don't have money to use as the carrot to drive Mm -hmm. behavior. It's all about the mission, the purpose, Mm -hmm. the vision of the organization, and and building people that have common beliefs in changing the world or making the world a a better place. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I'll never forget. You know, they said that the best leaders, if you really want to see great leadership, go look at not-for-profits because those people know how to lead from influence and from inspiration. So that's, uh, that's a great point that you bring up. Yeah. Wow. And, and, no, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And I think what, what's exciting is that, you know, many companies in the business world are taking heed of that and showing you don't have to be a nonprofit to do good. You don't have to be a nonprofit um, to have a positive impact on the world. 
Daniel, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thanks for sharing your insights. I've really enjoyed learning more about your, your company and what you guys are doing. And it'll be really fun to see what you guys are able to, to accomplish in the future. Yeah, maybe next time we'll talk about partnerships. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. Let's do it. We'll have to do a part two sometime down the road. All well, right, Daniel, thank good. you, sir. I appreciate your time. Have a good day. Thank you. Take care. Partnernomics Podcast is brought to you by Partnernomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partnernomics Podcast, visit Partnernomics.com. <laughs>